Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it football season yet? Sheesh. I don't know about the rest of you Spartan Nation, but I am dying for some college football in my life. I miss the Spartans, and we missed you. Welcome into episode 37 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel checking in on Friday, June 25th, 2021. And guys, it's it's been a little bit since we uh, last recorded, so welcome back. And uh, I don't mean to wish away the summer or anything. I know it's kind of like your downtime <laughs> before the season begins, but I'm just so excited for football and especially college football because last year was just so terrible. There was no fans allowed in Spartan Stadium. It just didn't really feel like full college football to me. You know, I, I haven't been this long personally uh, without being in Spartan Stadium in like a decade, so... It feels weird to me. I know football season means something a little different for me than the both of you, and especially you, Matt. I mean, I know long trips, late nights, uh, but how are you doing? How's summer been so far? Uh, summer is summer. Everything's going fine. Um, Big Ten media days are a month out, so uh, that's kind of the uh, what I've always considered to be the end of summer, uh, even though it's still more than a month between that and uh, actual games starting. That's uh, kind of what I've always uh, late – just kind of outlined as being the end because then you get a bunch of content and uh, just kind of go from there with practice starting shortly after that. Kyle, you, you staying busy? Uh, busy. Yeah. Not um, t- t- something like that. Um, <laughs> now I'll be, I'll be, I'll be ready to when it's going. I mean, like, cause, like you guys didn't go, but it, it didn't feel normal for me and Matt last year at all, you know, either. So um, I, um, I'm looking for more than I thought I would to, to seeing a real football game with fans and talking to people and all that fun stuff. For sure. For sure. I mean, last year was just goofy, you know, no watching football games with no fans. Uh, I mean, we got used to it. Obviously it was good to at least have some football, but we went through an entire NFL season without fans and uh, it was just bizarre, right? Like just strange, no band, no, no sounds, no ambiance, no tradition. And that's why we love college football is the traditions and the energy and, and the event that each game brings across the country in college football. Um, so a couple months from now, we'll, we'll have that back and it's going to be, it's going to be awesome, I think. So uh, we appreciate you listening here today. Like I said, we've been kind of uh, taking a break here, uh, summers when Kyle and Matt get, get their time off because when you're a beat reporter, uh, there's really no stopping. And even when they try and take time off, I'm sure stuff comes up. So we've kind of been in and out lately. Uh, we'll be back to our regular once a week schedule once the season starts and we get closer to the season. Um, if you could please like, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it, really appreciate it. 
You can follow us all on Twitter and you can check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Would really appreciate it if you could just help to spread the word if you enjoy this podcast. Um, and please keep leaving those reviews. They're really helpful and constructive. We were just talking about a couple comments that you guys have left before we started recording and we're, we're listening. We're, we're, I know we, this is, we aren't perfect, but we're, we're definitely listening and appreciate the feedback. So uh, like I said, we've been away, so we're just kind of going to – run through the hodgepodge of news that's come out uh, regarding Michigan State over the last couple weeks. Uh, there's been, you know, random stuff trickling in here and there. So this is sort of like a catch-up episode, a summer catch-up episode, you could say. And one of the, th- the big things that happened yesterday is we found out a new opponent for Michigan State. Their Gavit Games opponent from the Big East was revealed. And it is the Butler Bulldogs. Michigan State will make it, be making a trip to historic Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, this upcoming season, which is something that I'm very excited about. And Kyle, I'll get your reaction in a second, but but I just wanted to run down. I mean, Michigan State and Butler, they used to play all the time. The Spartans are 10-5 and five all time versus Butler, uh, but only one of those meetings have come since 1972. It was a memorable one, a 52-50 loss in the 2010 Final Four. Um, and Kyle, I know we, we briefly talked about this on Twitter yesterday, but I'm pretty pumped, uh, to see the Spartans play at Hinkle. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's really the only like notable college basketball venue that they haven't been to recently or, or in the Tommy Zoe era, you know, they've been to Duke and, you know, Kansas and, um, you know, went to the Palestra a few years ago that was kind of on the bucket list and, and really all of them except for Hinkle, which is weird because it's, you know, basically down the road, you know, only a couple hours away and they're in Indianapolis all the time. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I know that's something that's going to mean a lot of time as though he likes visiting all these places. Um, I, I, you know, um, I think players will be um, will be excited. Uh, if you've ever been in Hinkle Field House, like I haven't seen a game there, but I've been in there, and I, I can tell you, I, it's as cool as advertised. You know, old school gym. Uh, you got the light coming in through the big windows, kind of the big barn type. Um, you, you feel the Hoosiers, um, the little Hoosiers, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, mojo in there. So. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to being there selfishly. Um, hopefully, hopefully capacity is, uh, is the actual capacity and some Michigan State fans can get in there too because I think it's going to be a memorable one. Yeah, a lot of Michigan State fans in Indianapolis. So, I mean, if Butler will let some in, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be a hot ticket. That's going to be a tough ticket to get, I think, because, uh, you know, it's a play, Michigan State basketball fans obviously super knowledgeable, and uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse is not somewhere they're going to play all the time, especially a true road game against Butler. So I would suspect that's going to be a pretty hot ticket to get. Um, so I'm pretty pumped about it. I, I think most people kind of assumed, and Izzo, I thought, had sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had sort of hinted that maybe Villanova was going to be the choice, and I don't think Villanova's playing in the Gavit games at all, right? No, he he had said Villanova, and um, I think they wanted to play Villanova. Um, I, you know, I know Tom Izzo and Jay Wright are good friends, but um, apparently I, I, I'm going to guess that they just didn't want to play in it this year um, or it didn't fit into their schedule. But to me, Butler is the next best thing, mostly because of the venue. But I also thought that schedule with Villanova and it might've been a little bit on the tough side, especially for what that roster is looking like, how many new guys you're going to have. I mean, they've got, they've got Kansas. Um, it sounds like they're having Duke. That's not official yet, but it, all indications are that Duke's going to be the ACC big 10 game. Um, and that Bahamas field, it's just loaded. Uh, yeah. Baylor, Syracuse, UConn, Auburn, uh, Loyola, uh, all sorts of good teams. So I, I, I thought that 
um, it was a touch on the difficult side if you add Villanova to that. Um, I think Butler is a good substitution. I think it makes it a little bit easier. Butler was, I think, 10 and 15 last year um, under Lavelle Jordan. You know, it's a COVID year. Take it for what it is. But it's certainly going to be a step easier even on the road than Villanova. So um, I I think strength of schedule, that's going to help the non-conference maybe match where this team is at a little bit more. Because I I, I get play anyone anywhere, anytime. But I don't think there's a lot of value in – um, getting crushed in the non-conference and, and needing to do work in the Big Ten, um, so I think that's a that's a winnable a winnable game that could be a good win for them, and I think it, it could end up making a lot more sense. And, and maybe you do Villanova next year in a future year when when it makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. That would have been tough, and I would have like. I mean, if it's not going to be Villanova, I would like Butler or Xavier personally. Yeah. I think that they're both you know those are both proud programs. Obviously, the Big East has a lot of proud programs, but just uh, sort of that Midwest non-conference rivalry could. Get going you know good gritty programs that sort of mirror each other in some ways so uh, I'm excited about it the only thing that I'm and we need revenge Kyle from 2010 (laughs) like I was I was watching highlights of that game uh, earlier and just looking at the box score I mean it was obviously 11 years ago now so I need to refresh my memory that was an ugly ugly game man I 52 50 Michigan State loses because Draymond Green you know guarded by Gordon Hayward leaves a layup just airballs it, leaves it short. Somehow he gets locked down by Gordon Hayward. Corey Lucius is at the line at the end, I think, and he makes the first and he has to miss the second one of those situations. So it was like an ugly game that ended unceremoniously. And I was looking at the box score of that game. It's just like, uh, it ain't great. You basically got like eight points combined between Raymar Morgan and Delvon Rowe. Um, Draymond Green was the leading scorer or the second leading scorer off the bench. It was basically the Gordon Hayward show in that game. So uh, do you have any memories of that game? I mean, the Spartan fans are going to want revenge from that, I think. No, I, I just know that it, I, if Draymond does not bring up the fact that Gordon Hayward fouled him uh, at some point during that game, I'll be surprised. He still brings that up a lot. I feel like once a year, at least in interviews, he brings it. He's still mad, very mad about the fact that that didn't get called. But good reason. And uh, no, I don't have a lot of memories. Just that, you know, it was I mean, it was tough for Michigan State fans because Butler was everybody's team at that point. You know, everybody wanted Butler to win. So I think most people were happy, but um uh, and Michigan State fans were kind of the lone ones, I think, disappointed with that result um, when it happened. Matt, do you have any thoughts on the Butler matchup? Uh, I'll make it. <laughs> okay. I just think I just think of Hoosiers. That's all I think of. You know, I love that movie. It was one of my favorites as a kid. It's been a little bit since I've watched it, but uh, always love the scenes uh, in that, uh, the closing uh, game in that movie. Great stuff. For sure. So another tough schedule shaping up for Michigan State. And one other thing I wanted to ask you guys, and I'm not sure if I saw you guys weigh in, but uh, Kevin Palga, KB, KP, the schedule guru, put it out there about, you know, non-conference games that Michigan, that maybe Michigan State fans would want to see or things they haven't done yet. Uh, so I made a couple suggestions. I said that it would be nice to see them play at a, an HBCU. And I also th- threw out, you know, I've been throwing out an unrealistic thing about playing in Greece between USC and Michigan State because I feel like someone floated that a long time ago. And I still think it's an awesome idea to play like in Athens or somewhere cool, something like that. It, Kyle or Matt, is there any matchup or non-conference game? You know, it could be for selfish reasons, for any reasons that you think would be a cool matchup that we haven't really seen. 
Well, well, first of all, Greece, I mean, that was like in planning. Uh, yeah, I thought it college. was. That, yeah, that wasn't like just some fan thing or anything like that. Like they were trying to do that and they couldn't make it work. And um, I think his departure probably means it's, it's off the table for now. Um, you know, I was trying to think about it, you know, um, as far as like cool, like venues you hear about a lot, they haven't been to like, um, like, do you go to the pit at New Mexico, which is supposed to be awesome? Um, that's one of the ones that came to mind. I like the HBCU idea. I'm looking at my media guide now. They haven't been to Kentucky since 2002 to play there. Um, you know, so may- maybe a game at Rupp is, um, should be back on the table. Um, although it seems like those are all neutral side games. Well, the Champions Classic makes it tough with those. Right. Um, so you'd have to do it off your Champions Classic. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard because, I, I, I mean, Michigan State still makes an effort to do it. But when you have all these neutral state commitments, whether it's, um, um, uh, you know, can, the uh, Champions Classic and the, um, um, the holiday tournament, yeah. and they're not neutral site, but then you're locked into the two ACC biggies. It's, it's hard to – it's hard to get another like good game, you know, like the home and homes. They haven't had one in several years and I don't think they're going to have one soon. So hopefully they can, they can make it happen. But um, yeah, HBCU um, that's one that came to mind and, and maybe some of these, one of these other high majors they just haven't been to in a while. I want, I just, I, my mind immediately goes to mid uh, Midwest, other Midwest non-conference schools. So like Dayton, I would love to see a game against Dayton. I would love to see mm-hmm. a game against Xavier. I already mentioned. I'm glad we're getting Butler. Um, you know, Marquette would be cool. I mean, although we have played Marquette in the tournament recently. I guess I just think about, like, what is a, a regional or somewhat regional game that they could play that, you know, maybe isn't a traditional rival, but maybe could turn into something. Uh, but I'm, yeah, like, uh, I'm stealing this one off Twitter. I, I'm, I apologize. I don't remember who threw it out there. But somebody in the replies to KP said, said, do Northern Michigan at the Superior uh, Dome. That was and Sheehan. And Matt Sheehan. Yeah. Sheehan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that would be awesome. And, um, you know, if, if as we talked about, maybe the Izzo era is in its last five years or something like that. Maybe that's a cool way to kind of uh, throw back to his past. So that would, I would be up for that one. Superior Dome action. I'd be totally down for that. That would be amazing. Did you have any ideas, Matt? No, I mean, you guys kind of covered it. You know, I, mine would be completely ridiculous that they play at like Rucker Park or something like that against a uh, East Coast school. But uh, we know that's not St. John's. That's what I, yeah, yeah, I know. But that's just kind of what I think of them. Cool basketball places that uh, are a little unique and they haven't been to. And obviously that's not something that would come to fruition for logistical reasons. But uh, yeah, there's my uh, two cents. Well, they no. tried to play on the White House lawn once, too. So, <laughs> Listen, they played on a freaking aircraft carrier, okay? Like, I'm not going to rule anything out when it comes to Michigan State. Like, that was all under Hollis, I know. But we know that they're willing to at least play people. Uh, you know, they say anytime, anywhere, we'll do it. So, Michigan State has backed that up in the past. Um, but a good slate of games. I'm glad they're going to get the Butler game. We haven't really played Butler, and especially not at Hinkle. So, that'll be exciting. Uh, we're going to move on to football here in a second. Also, you know, this evergreen news that came out. But, Kyle, we got a, there was a bunch of staff changes since we talked last. Uh, I just want to run down them quick and maybe see, say which one uh, sort of caught your eye the most or sort of piqued your interest because we got former players in here. Yeah, um, n- nothing too unexpected. Uh, Doug Wojcik um, as your new assistant, which we, um, which we expected. And he had been kind of, frankly, functioning in that role. You know, they, they let – they let another coach on the floor last year. That was one of the COVID things, and that was Doug Wojcik. He was already on the floor. He was already kind of their fill-in guy recruiting when they went on the road. So I think that's kind of a natural transition. Um, I, I, I guess if something surprised me, it might have been David Thomas um, leaving the staff. 
um, and leaving basketball entirely um, just to focus on private enterprise. He's a guy that I thought, um, you know, was going to make his way into coaching and kind of go that route, um, but he, he kind of goes another direction. So, um, so that was maybe the only one that surprised me. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of going the familiar route with everybody else. Mark Montgomery steps into the recruiting director role, um, and then you bring on. Um, bring on Matt McQuaid kind of as um, assistant ops, you know, kind of just to get him started in, in his coaching career. So it's, um, it's a lot of familiar faces, um, which I think is good and bad. I mean, I think Tom Izzo knows what he's getting. I think he's familiar with these guys. He knows how he works with them. Um, I wouldn't totally blame you if you're a Michigan State fan and you worry that this is going the Mark D'Antonio way you know, where there's not enough new blood and it's kind of the same faces and the same roles year after year and maybe a little too much loyalty. Um, if, if I had to nitpick it, it would probably be that. I, I thought maybe that this might have been an opportunity to bring in somebody young, somebody from outside, somebody with a different perspective. Um, but, you know, I think Tom has earned the benefit of the doubt in building his staff. So, um, but, but if, I had, if I had to worry about it, I think that would be it. Austin Thornton also brought on his uh, video right. coordinator, you know, former mm-hmm. former Spartan there too. Um, I thought I saw Matt McQuaid though dressed in full full gear. I mean, he was playing in the G League like last year, right? So like, uh, like if he's going to be like a practice player or something against these guys, that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the <laughs> a lot of the guys in those um, in those roles end up basically scout team guys, um, yeah. and, and they're not really allowed to like instruct, you know. But they're you know they're allowed to fill out a scout team. So it yeah, be I mean, a body. If, you're, yeah. if you're if you're Max Christie and you're trying to get better, and you know you can have a guy who's a pretty good defender guarding you, um, that that can certainly only help. For sure. So let's move on to uh, this evergreen announcement, right? This is, this is, this is something I'm not sure we anticipated this coming, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it, it has to do with the name and image and likeness, pending legislation, uh, the changing landscape of college basketball. This is Michigan State essentially trying to get out ahead of, of the, you know, pending legislation and stuff. Cause I think not in Michigan, but I think in like five or six States, we're going to get some NIL stuff kicking in in July, I think. So, seven. Uh, Kentucky seven. became the seventh state. Michigan passed it, but um, it doesn't go into effect until December 31st, But, but my understanding is that the NCAA is basically suspending its rules and that even if you're in a state without a law, you'll be able to get the money. Um, your school just has to make rules for it. Right, right. So, yeah. And we can, they we have can, to do that. Right, that yeah. And, right, we can get into that and the, the logistical stuff, but – I mean, Matt, we haven't really heard from you. Can you kind of just run down what they're planning with this evergreen stuff? And then we can kind of talk about like, you know, what the, what the impact is with NIL and what the timeline looks like. All right. Evergreen is just like the way they branded it. You know, I mean, obviously I think the green and evergreen already can kind of put that together, but I mean, basically this is just the framework for which they want to allow their athletes to benefit from name image likeness. Um, You know, they, they've partnered with three companies basically with the goal being to educate players, uh, the athletes on, on the avenues they can take um, to increase their brand awareness, all that stuff. And, you know, just basically try and make money. Um, and nowadays, you know, I think it's important to know how the landscape has changed. You might see, <laughs> you might see the starting running back or, or your, your power forward or point guard do a commercial for the car dealership. But I think more and more that has shifted to social media because these, these guys don't, you know, I mean, you can make money just sitting at home without even really doing anything, you know, through a sponsor post through, through Instagram or Twitter or something, some other platforms like that. 
Um, and I think Michigan State has been out front with that. I mean, it was struggling to remember when it was, but it was a while back that Michigan State started, uh, you know, football specifically, I remember, um, these tweets about profit off your name, image, and likeness. You know, they were sending stuff out, you know, to recruits basically pitching Michigan State as a future in which they can do that. Now, they're not solely alone in that, obviously, and other schools have been um, getting in front of this as well, but it is interesting um, because of the timing. Uh, the NCAA has bungled this to the point where we are now, it is June 25th. You know, we are less than a week away where these rules go into effect in other states and the NCAA is just, it's going to be – they're doing what they said they didn't want what would be the worst-case scenario is kind of hodgepodging this together with temporary rules at the last minute. Um, but at Michigan State, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to get – they're doing what they can. Um, and I think at this point in time, you have to sell this to athletes. These guys want to make money, um, whether it's a few hundred bucks, which is, I think, the more likely case for most guys. Um, that still makes a difference, you know. If you're – you know, some of these guys, this will be the only opportunity for them – to, to benefit off their name, image, and likeness. If you come in as like a, you know, a recruit that there's interest in, um, you, can make, you can maybe make a few bucks. Uh, maybe it doesn't pan out for you. Maybe you never play it down there. And then, you, you know, that, that window closes pretty quickly. So um, definitely all for these guys being able to do that. It's just going to be really interesting to see how this materializes um, given the landscape nationally. Yeah. I mean, Michigan State, they're, they're getting out in front of it, I think, by, by coming out with this announcement now. Um, I mean, you mentioned the football stuff. They've been – Mel Tucker and his staff in particular seem to be – I mean, they're not shying away from this stuff. They're, they're trying to attack it and embrace it. And I guess my, my question, and Kyle, maybe you can answer this, is do you think Michigan State would be as aggressive with this stuff and getting out in front of it and embracing the NIL stuff if Mel Tucker wasn't there? Because I don't really see Tom Izzo being like, let's get out there and figure out how to promote this. This seems like Mel might be sort of a driving force behind this. No, I mean, and they're just, that's a function of them being in very different areas as far as their programs and their recruiting. I mean, Mel's trying to, to make up ground and he's trying to recruit against the best. And I think um, he sees this as an opportunity to, um, to, um, to get some of these guys and, and to be the program that's really embracing this and really trying to get players um, their NIL stuff. Um, I, I, I think that's, I think that's smart and he's seeing an opportunity. Um, and I think if you're like Michigan state um, and you're trying to climb the rungs there, you gotta, you gotta take every opportunity you can and embracing NIL, I think is smart. Uh, Tom Izzo on the, on the other hand, you know, he's, he's been recruiting at high level, you know, and he's been getting these guys. And I, you know, I can tell you his personal feelings that he worries that um, with NIL that, you know, this is something where athletes are already taking classes. They're already doing all of their training for school. He, he worried where the time to do NIL is going to come from. You know, like if you're, um, if you're already spending X amount of hours every week, you know, studying and playing basketball, um, are you going to be taking time out of that to, to try to make some money on NIL, you know, to do social media or whatnot, uh, whether you're not, you think that's a legitimate concern. I mean, everybody can have their opinion on that, but um, <laughs> if you notice there was a Mel Tucker quote out there yesterday with the NIL launch, there was not a time. Quote out there. <laughs> um, and, and that's not to say that he's going to, he's not going to do anything to prevent his players from, from doing it, but he is certainly not emphasizing it as much. And I think he has a little bit more concern. So I think it's an interesting um, situation where you kind of got your two major head coaches um, maybe at different points when it comes to this. But 
um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see um, how much of this happens, um, how much money these guys make, how many social media posts we actually get. Um, part of me thinks that, you know, we're making a bigger deal out of this than it should be, and it's not going to be that common. Um, but I don't really know, and I'm not sure anybody really knows what exactly it's going to look like. No, it's all part of the wait and see. Uh, we just have to see how this changing landscape of college sports. I mean, in general, it's not just NIL, it's the transfers. It's, it's everything that is sort of changing across the landscape. So we kind of need to just see how this turns out. Cause a lot of people are making, uh, assumptions. I think some people are trying to theorize, but we don't really know how prevalent it's going to be. Who's all going to be affected. Um, what we do know is, and I think what the main concern for a lot of people is, is that this could create a situation where some States have rights and some States don't. And where maybe that they can use that in recruiting to be like, Hey, if you come here, you can do this. And that's what we sort of briefly just touched on where I think the idea that's been floated is that like States that don't have, uh, laws in place through the legislature would the NCAA would basically just like grant them their own power to to do what they wanted to do or they would waive their rules is that what am I understanding that correctly to try and put everyone on the equal footing because you can't have a situation where Florida can be like hey come here you can make hundreds and Michigan is like we can't do anything I mean that that just that could completely ruin the sport in my opinion yeah, that, that's what they're trying to avoid is my understanding. And, and they're just trying to get some rules as far as, you know, you, I don't know, you, you can't, you can't uh, endorse a tobacco company or something like that, you know, and those sorts of rules. So I, I think that's what they're trying to do. But by July 1st, which is coming up quickly on us, I think they want to have everybody be able to do it and, and have similar rules. Um, my question is, my thing I've been wondering, and I'd be curious what you guys think too, with the recruiting, is this going to spread out the talent, especially in college football, I think, where it's been so dominated by a handful of programs? Mm-hmm. Is this going to spread things out a little bit more or is it going to cluster it more at the top? Because I, I wonder, you know, if you're a five-star, you could go to Alabama where there might be 10 or 15 other five-stars on the roster, and that's what a lot of these guys have done in the last five, ten years. Or maybe you go to a Michigan State where you're the only one, and from an NIL perspective, you're suddenly a big fish in a smaller pond, and maybe maybe you're more noticeable, and maybe there's a little bit more money to be made uh, where you're the guy instead of one of 10 guys. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe that's the wishful thinking if you're a Michigan State fan, but uh, I wonder if that becomes a factor for these guys. Say, hey, I want to be the BMOC now instead of you know one of these cogs in a factory at, at one of these places and, and and does that benefit some of these mid-tier schools and help them pick off one or two of these studs every year i don't know um that's one thing i've thought about though i i talked with uh recently talked with todd berry who's the uh president of the american football coaches association and he said the concern among coaches is that the that nil will lead to guys entering the portal looking for more money elsewhere and he said that Basically, the concern is that this is going to go back to the 70s. Basically, this is going to create rampant cheating um, amongst <laughs> schools. And just basically now it's just going to be basically legalized. And he, he thinks the fallout will be graduation rates dropping. Um, and then, you know, fans kind of losing some of their interest, at least some fans, because the loyalty isn't they don't view the loyalty there as it used to be. So I don't know that that's going to be the case, but he coached, he played in college football, he coached. So, uh, and he's, he's in the position he is. So um, there's, there is some concern, uh, I think, but uh, like we've talked about, we're going to have to see how this actually plays out. 
Yeah, I mean, I have concerns. I think we all, I mean, as people who love the sport and have seen it, you know, thrive for so long, albeit sometimes thriving off the backs of people who aren't being compensated for it. But I, I think that, you know, there's, there's some trepidation from everyone who, you know, at the, we want to support the players. We want to empower young people. But at the same time, we want to put them in a situation where they're making wise choices and making decisions that are the best for their future because it's easy to get blinded by money everyone it happens to everyone and it happens not just to young people but to to mature people that are fully developed as well so I just think it puts more importance on who these kids have in their circle who's guiding them who's who's advising them because they should be able to make some money but we just have to make sure that we're in an area where we can implement this correctly and it just doesn't become the wild west because then you're going to get a situation where fans become disillusioned, especially older people. Cause they, like you said, no loyalty and they, they feel like it's not for the program and everything's dirtied now. And some of that is going to have to be people changing an outdated way of thinking about amateurism because college sports haven't really been amateurism for a long time. I mean, they're basically professional sports in this country in terms of how big they are. So I think for some people, it's just to be a little bit more open-minded and change your way of thinking. But at the same time, I understand that trepidation because um, this is a sport that's worked a certain way for a long time, right or wrong. And if you're going to introduce all these widespread changes really quickly in succession, there could be some unforeseen consequences Then we don't know which way it goes. Yeah, I mean, this is... I, I mean, I don't know. Again, this is going to be really interesting. Um, again, you go back to the fact that, I mean, there are billions of dollars being made. The coaches make en- enormous salaries. The NCAA breaks, brings in and the schools bring in a ton of money and it doesn't, it's a, it's a one-way street. So um, definitely all overseeing guys get a, get a piece of this, but how that's going to work out and what kind of problems it creates. Um, I think some of those concerns are warranted, um, but uh- my, my thought is that the the guys making millions off the system right now having concerns about it. I mean, it's their right to have concerns, but I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit at that and say, let's try to get these kids some money. And there'll probably be issues. There might be some, and then we can try to fix them. But I, I think it's a move in the right direction. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not of the chicken little thought of the sky is falling. I think coaches tend to throw that out there when a lot of changes come and it, it tends to work out. So will there be some issues? Probably. Um, but I, I think, um, I, I think it's a step in the right direction for these kids. And it, it makes sense. I mean, if you want to talk about getting them paid, I think there's problems with actually giving them a salary, giving them part of the TV deal, whatever you call it. Um, this is not taking any money from the athletic department. It's not going to cause you to cancel a bunch of women's sports or anything like that. Um, it, it's extra money, um, that, um, that these kids have the right to have, you know, in my opinion, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And programs like Michigan and Michigan state probably don't need to be worrying too much. Like they're still going to get their guys. They have the, the power and the facilities and the assets to, to adjust and use NIL to their advantage. I think the smaller schools are the ones that might be having a right to be a little bit more concerned because they might just, you know, they're not attracting the same caliber of athletes. They don't have as many assets. So uh, the, the power shift between the, the who's and the who's nots could be, you know, a little could be widening a little bit here. And maybe that's another a consequence that we can talk about down the road. But Michigan State with the Evergreen program is definitely facing this head on. They're they're attacking it. They're uh, they're embracing it for all intents and purposes. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on NAL and, and track it as it goes along. Uh, in terms of recruiting, we've had some some recruits uh, commit in the in recent weeks. We have a potential recruit 
in, in a four-star quarterback, Caden Hauser, who just decommitted from Boise State, and all signs are pointing towards Mel potentially flipping him to Michigan State. That's not official yet, but uh, Matt, fill us in on the, the guys that have recruited since we talked last. I know there's been a few, or committed, I should say. All right, so obviously the dead period finally ended um, May 31st, so it opened up June 1, um, and Michigan State has doubled its 2022 class. They got five commits this month, uh, really in the last two weeks. So Quavian Carter, who's a safety linebacker from Georgia, uh, Braden Miller, offensive lineman from Colorado, Michael Masunas, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He's a tight end from Arizona. Jaron Glover, receiver from Florida, and Jack Stone, a kicker from Texas. So those five guys have committed since uh, the 12th, uh, I believe. And all of them, I mean, the key here is all five of these guys have been to campus this month. So I think that's what everybody was looking to see when, when Mel finally was able to get guys on campus and his staff for the first time in, you know, since the, the first two weeks of, of March, basically, when Mel was hired initially before the dead period hit. <laughs> Um, so March yeah, of I mean, last is, year, right? <laughs> yes, March of 2020. So, um, yeah, I mean, is, everybody wanted to see what, what the staff could do once recruiting was actually opened up, and, and I think you've seen a little bit. Um, and now none of these are five-star guys, but these are guys they obviously – I mean, when you, when you, you only – the players only get five official visits, and schools are only allotted so many players they can bring in on official visits. So if you're bringing guys in on, on official visits, you obviously believe – in them, you, uh, if you're bringing them in on an official visit, I would assume they're a take at that point in time. Uh, at least they probably should be. So uh, you bring in, you target these guys, you think they're good enough and, and you, you know, you've got some of them. So um, interesting. And, you know, I don't remember if we covered this on the last episode, but uh, probably not. It's probably been too long, but you know, the first weekend they had, it was like 10 guys on official visits and I talked to three of them and it was kind of interesting to see how they outlined it, you know, um, basically these guys get picked up at the airport and by the position coach and another staffer and they bring them to East Lansing and it's a series of meetings and photo shoots and, you know, the cool stuff that the kids like, you know, as far as that stuff, um, uh, a lot of food. Um, and then, you know, them selling Michigan state as the place for them. Uh, the first weekend they had uh, dinner with all the recruits at Mel Tucker's house. So they converted his indoor basketball court into a dining room, which I thought was fairly interesting. Um, Tom Mizzo stopped by for a minute. So, uh, yeah, just interesting to see what this looks like under Mel Tucker with the first chance of them to do it. So busy month for them. Yeah. I mean, they got 10 recruits for the 2022 class or commits. I keep calling them recruits or pledges as Graham likes to call them. Uh, we've got, I mean, but they've got more from Georgia three than Michigan and they've got two from Arizona, one from Colorado, one from Florida, one from Texas. Uh, Mel's all over the place. I, again, we see this, this, the recruiting coming from all over. Yeah, and I mean, this was this was going to happen, you know. Whenever you have a change in, in coach, you know, with D'Antonio to Mel, you're going to see a difference, you know. No, Mark, it's not like he never got guys out of, you know, from he never, you know, Brian Lorick, he was from Arizona. Mark got guys from California or Florida, you know, this and that. But I think it's it was pretty obvious that Mel was going to take a little bit more of a national approach, um, you know, just because that's just the nature of it. He's got ties in in some of the same places that Mark had ties you know, being an Ohio guy, but he also has, you know, other contacts, you know, you know, Georgia, I think is specifically an area they're looking at. Um, obviously there's a lot of talent there. So you're going to see this, this shift in the recruiting footprint. And, and some of this goes back to, you know, especially the guys he worked with while he was at Colorado. I mean, you don't just recruit the cycle you're on, you recruit for the future. So some of these 
especially with last year's class, I think more so than, than anything. I mean, some of these fall that fell back on previous relationships they had um, when these guys were recruiting at, for Colorado or, you know, in the case of Gavin Brocious, he's one of, he was one of the first to commit to this 2022 class. He's an offensive lineman from Arizona. Um, I think he was in, he told me he was in, uh, it was like the summer between eighth grade and his freshman year when he, when he first met Chris Kapilovic, who's Michigan State's offensive lineman assistant head coach. So, you know, some of these relationships were established prior to these guys being in East Lansing. And it's just interesting to see this kind of shift. And yeah, this is, uh, well, this is the last weekend for it. So uh, the dead period as of Monday goes back into effect for the next month. And then uh, you resume, it returns to a very brief one week quiet period at the end of July. And for those of you who are confused by recruiting, which is very understandable, quiet period is when uh, coaches can only have in-person contact with uh, recruits on uh, college campuses. So um, after, uh, after, you know, that <laughs> the July might be a little more quiet. Maybe they're just waiting on to bring more guys in uh, that they'd already visited or at least get more commitments. But end of July, and then from there, really, they're going to be – that's football, you know. Not to say you won't get any – commits not to say they stop recruiting but well fall camp starts the focus um obviously shifts to uh the actual team on um, product on the field mm-hmm. we've got the georgia bulldogs i'm all i'm all for the georgia spartan dogs uh coming up here because there's so much talent in georgia and in the south so i'm all for mel and the staff using their ties there um and then i, I briefly mentioned Caden hauser he's a four-star kid from california officially decommitted from Boise State last night. All the recruiting boards, all the predictions suggesting he decommitted to come to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State lost out on Nico Martial to West Virginia last week. Fortunately, his twin was available, uh, Caten Hauser. So, uh, but this is a, a pretty high-level quarterback prospect, right? He was at the Elite 11s. Uh, yeah, um, so I'm going to be a stickler here. You don't want to talk three about star, co- okay. three star quarterback. We, I only, I always use the I thought rivals is four. Yeah. Rivals. He's a three star 24 seven lists him as a four star on their own, but the composite is a three star and everybody wants to complain whenever you don't use the recruiting ranking that gives the kid the highest possible rankings. They'll bag on one site being terrible. Oh, they don't, their recruiting coverage sucks and they don't do stuff right. But if that site has the kid ranked higher than the other one, they will take to take it to you for not citing that one. Anyway, if you listen to the conspiracy theorists, they'll tell you that they knocked him down to a three star after he decommitted from Boise State and committed no, to Michigan he, State. He, he has been a three star as a composite since I've been tracking him. Anyways, it doesn't matter. He's obviously a high level prospect. Um, so he plays at St. John Bosco in in, uh, in California, which is a huge program. I mean, plenty of talent comes through there. Every if you even vaguely follow college football recruiting, you should know of that. Um, or you should have at least heard of that. So um, what, is, what is slightly interesting about him is that he is he's like a semi-starter at, uh, at his high school because he splits time with uh, Pierce Clarkson, who's a 2023 four-star quarterback. They basically alternate series, which is unique, but their coach was basically, a, I'd read a story that he said, looking for separation to find a guy and I didn't find it. You know, I mean, these guys are both great, so you use them both. So he had a uh, pretty good stats in a, you know, a truncated spring season in California. Uh, he played six games of the stats they only had for the first five, but he completed 68% of his passes, 592 yards, seven touchdowns, ran for 87 yards and a score. I mean, I like the film on him. I like the, he's got good throwing motion, good release. Um, 
he's impressive and and that shows and you know he earned one of 20 spots in the elite 11 finals which are uh next week uh it's june 30th through the july 3rd i believe in los angeles so i mean he's according to the them it's you know that makes him one of the 20 best quarterbacks in the 2022 class so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he competes out there and and Oftentimes, if for the people that get obsessed about rankings, a lot of times you see some of these guys who may, maybe aren't the highest ranked and they go to stuff like this and all of a sudden they blow up. Um, there's a guy, oh, now I'm going to forget his name. He was a California quarterback. Michigan State was over, over in uh, a couple cycles ago. D'Antonio's last year there. Um, I'm going to forget his name. But he was a lower-ranked, like, mid-tier, third, three-star guy, and all of a sudden he went to the Elite 11 Finals and he just blew up. Became one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and uh, he's the front-runner to be the starter at Ohio State this year. So uh, some people might remember him. He, when Michigan State was blowing, getting blown out by Ohio State last year, he came in, filled in for Justin Fields, and ran for, like, a 50-yard C.J. Stroud? That's who it is. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see when he gets, on, you know, gets to a – a stage like this, um, you know, what these guys, you know, think of them and, you know, maybe that, you know, creates some more exposure, but to your point, yeah, he was a Boise state commit from April 1st, I believe. And um, Michigan state missed on AJ Duffy um, from IMG Academy who visited for the open spring practice committed to Florida state. Um, and I believe they offered Hauser a day after that. Um, after Duffy committed to Florida state, they had Nico, as you mentioned in on campus early June, um, he committed to uh, West Virginia. So Hauser comes in last week on an official visit. And that, you know, that tells you exactly where you are, where they are on their quarterback board amongst the guys they've offered. If you're going to bring them in for an official visit, you know, that's who you think is next up. And he came in, obviously he liked it um, because he decommitted from Boise state last night. And again, yeah, all signs according to the, West Coast recruiting analysts point to him eventually uh, committing to Michigan State. So um, if that's the case, they'd have a, you know, big uh, piece, big check mark in the uh, 2022 recruiting class um, locked Mm -hmm. off. And then you hope that guy goes out can go out and recruit for you. Yeah. I mean, usually when you get the quarterback, like you've said before, Matt, uh, things sort of follow sometimes once guys can see who they're playing with, especially at the skill positions. Yeah, and it'll be a nice, this would be a nice change of pace because, you know, they got their quarterback wrapped up early last year um, in April. Um, so with Hamp Fay. Um, and then, but the previous two cycles, the last two under Mark, the quarterback recruiting dragged on the year before. They, it took late, it went late in the process, flipping, basically flipping Nico Kim from Virginia Tech. He decommitted, then visited and committed. And the class before that, it was Peyton Thorne, who had been a, you know, longtime Western Michigan commit, and they flipped him very late, uh, just about like a, less than a week before uh, the December signing period. Cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. I mean, recruiting is a never-ending process, and it's it's basically all we have going on other than random news that trickles in, scheduling and whatnot. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. It was good to get back in here. It had been a couple weeks. And uh, so, yeah, like I said, kind of a catch-all episode where we sort of just touched on everything that is broken. Uh, we are going to be uh, probably hit or miss still here for the next month or so. August, I think, is probably when we'll start ramping 
coming up again with, with the fall camp and the preview stuff for the season. I know Matt's will be very busy with preview stuff uh, and uh, we'll keep an eye on everything, but uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Again, if you could please like rate and review the podcast, uh, if you could check us out on Twitter, check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. We would very much appreciate it. Very much looking forward to getting back in Spartan stadium for the 2021 season, all signs point to a full Spartan stadium. So that will be fantastic. Um, and we are very much looking forward to it. But for Kyle Austin, Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green.